but he brought me in his love for me. Oh, his love for me, who the sun sets free. Oh, his free.
Yeah. 
thank you so much for joining us today on our webcast. Thank you for all that you are doing as part of being part of our church. And so I know that, that you love what you are seeing, even though that we are all quarantined and all having to stay home and all frustrated and all aggravated and all getting fat and sassy and all that other stuff because of we're eating all of our quarantine snacks. So with all of that going on, I know that you still want to be generous towards your local church. And I know that you want to share in your generosity towards us. There are three different ways that you can do that today. The first is you can go to our webpage, which is nwcogonline.com. There is a giving tab there. If you will, just click on that. It'll take you through the necessary steps. I tried it this week personally just to make sure that everything was okay. It ran very smoothly. You will like it. It is easy to use and you can give towards that way. Also, you can send it as well to our mailing address. We get it at the post office box. It is P.O. Box 75, P.O. Box 75, Wahala, South Carolina, 29691. Or if you would like, you can just call Lisa, our administrative secretary here at the church, and she will gladly meet you here during the office hours, which our new time begins Monday from 9 to 1. It's Monday through Thursday, 9 to 1. You can call her, drop those off, and she will gladly take those from you, your gifts towards our church. We are so thankful. You've always been very supportive of the North Wahala Church, and so we are very thankful for all that you are doing, your generosity. So grab your family as we're going to pray together uh, over our gifts today. We're going to pray. Grab your family, hold their hand, and let's all pray together. Father, we thank you today for all of those in our church that give. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in their lives. Thank you, Lord, that your word is still true, that even in a pandemic, that we can sow, and that when we sow, that, Father, you would rebuke the devourer off of our seed. That is an awesome promise, God, for us to know that you will take care of us in a pandemic. You'll take care of us in a famine. You'll take care of us when the stock market is down. You will take care of us, God, when we are going through unemployment situations and temporary layoffs. We are trusting you, God, to handle it. And we're trusting you to protect us, to keep us, and to safeguard our finances today. And Lord, we honor you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And you all said... Amen and be blessed.
Until I look like the one I pour, and I will pour out my life until all of me is on the floor at your feet. I will.
Today, we're going to be continuing our series of Jesus Is. Last Sunday, I preached to you, Jesus Is, and the second part of that talked about that Jesus is our healer. We've already talked about that Jesus is our sympathetic Savior. We've talked about how that He is a Savior that cares. He is a Savior that watches us. He is a Savior that cares for us, that we know that he looks at us and says, go and sin no more. And he is sympathetic with where you are to lift you up and lift you out of your sin. Last Sunday, we talked about how that God wants to heal your hurt, how that God wants to heal your heart, how that God wants to heal your head, how that God wants to mend your mind, get you back together, and God wants to bring you to a place of wholeness, and how that God is designed for you to live in wholeness, and God is designed for you to live in a place of healing, and a place of that you can come to the cross, that you can come to Jesus today, and in coming to Jesus, then you can be made whole and he can take that which is bitter in your life and make it sweet. Today we are going to talk about how that Jesus is our peace. That Jesus is our peace. Grab your family, get your family Bible, get your phone out and look it up. Mark chapter 6 and verse 45 is where we're going to look at today. Mark 6 and verse 45 going through verse 51. Mark 6 and verse 45 says this. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he, meaning Jesus, was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing. For the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. And verse 52 simply says this. We'll go on to that one. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Can we pray together before we dig into God's word today. Father, we love you. God, I thank you today for what you are going to do in the lives of everyone that is watching this webcast. Lord, I thank you, God, for this live stream, and I thank you, God, for this medium that we can come into the homes of our congregation. God, thank you that we can be together virtually watching this And that, God, that we can see what you are doing and what you are going to do and how that you are going to show yourself. 
God, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus that you would anoint our minds, that God, that we would hear you clearly and that we would take that which you speak to us, God, and understand it clear. God, I pray that not only you would anoint our minds, but God, also anoint our heart, that, Father, when we hear your word today, that we would take your word and hide it in our heart, that we won't sin against you. Now, Father, I receive your anointing. God, that anointing that you've promised me in my prayer time, that anointing, God, Lord, that turns this preacher into your prophet. And don't let me utter one word that has not first been spoken in heaven. God, thank you for what you're going to do in this moment. Thank you for how you're going to minister and how you're going to move in the lives of every family that is watching today. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the praise, God, for everything that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said in your home, amen today. Amen. When we begin to look at this scripture, we begin to see that the disciples had actually experienced a mighty miracle before Jesus ever compelled them to get into the boat and to go over to the other side to Bethsaida. We see in the context of Mark chapter 6, we see how that Jesus, how that he begins to show them as he took them out into a different place, into a deserted place, the Bible said, that he takes them out and told them to depart themselves into a place of solitude. When they get out into this place of solitude, the Bible tells us that the crowd follows them and in following them, they saw that they were there, Jesus, came out, he begins to see that everything was going on. He sees that the hour is late. He wants to send them away. They want to send them away, but the Bible says that Jesus says to them, give them something to eat in verse 37. But we see that when all of this is done, that there was nothing that they didn't have anything for them to eat. They didn't have enough money as the money would be far less than what they would need to feed everyone that was there. The Bible said that they took up and had five loaves and two fish. We see in another version of this story that it was a little boy's lunch that would be brought to Jesus in this moment. Jesus blesses this. The Bible says that when he, did, when he does all of this, that he sits them down in groups on green grass. He breaks them up in the groups. He ends up taking these five loaves and two fish. The Bible says that he breaks them up. He gives them to his disciples to give out. And so they divided them among everyone. Everybody ate. The Bible tells us in Mark 6 and verse 42 that they all ate. They all were filled. Then they ended up taking up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fish. And everybody, it says in verse 44, that had ate, that the sum of them was about 5,000 men. Now, now it doesn't take a lot of figuring out that if all of those men had their families with them and all of those men had their children and their wives with them and it was a family of four, then you are looking at approximately about 20,000 people that Jesus fed with five loaves and just two fish. That was automatically a miracle for them to see. But all of a sudden, Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to get in the boat. I want you to go over to the other side to Bethsaida. I want you to get there. I want you to leave there. I want you to get away from here when he sends them all away. And he said, I need y'all to go because I've got to go and spend time with the Lord in prayer. And when he begins to do that, the Bible says that when he 
spent time that, and he sends them away that they are alone in the evening time in the middle of the sea. When they are lost in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, a squall rolls in. And when the storm comes in, the Bible says that all of a sudden, the wind is contrary to them. In verse 48, that they are straining and trying to row. The Bible says it's the fourth watch of the night, meaning that it's between the hours of the Roman watch. The Romans use four different types of watches. It is between now the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. As they are rowing in the middle of the sea, trying to get a away from the storm, trying to get across to the other side. And as they are doing this, they find themselves in distress. They find themselves not knowing what to do. They find themselves troubled. They find themselves worrying if they're going to sink. They find themselves in fear, but all of a sudden something happens and they saw Jesus. This particular text parallels all of our lives at times. Because all of us face storms, all of us face situations, all of us face things that we don't understand, that, that we are frustrated with, that we're, we're trying not to focus on, but we find ourselves focused on it more and more and more because we can't sleep, we can't understand it. All we know is that all of this stuff is going on and we don't understand. But yet Jesus came walking on the water, straight to them. And he rescues those 12 men in that boat. When Jesus arrived at the boat, he began to address three major areas of concern for the disciples. And as he did, he was able to replace their fear with his peace. Because we know that Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the one that, that we can lean on in the times of storms. Jesus is the one when he's in the boat that you can have peace no matter how the wind blows, no matter how the rains fall, how the lightning flashes or the thunder rolls. When you've got Jesus, you've got peace. And so today, I want us just to dissect these three places and then I want us to take those powerful words that Jesus speaks to us in verse 50. Because in his short statement, we learn a glorious truth that Jesus is the ultimate source of peace for us as believers. As we prepare to enter into this time, as we are in the middle of this time of a pandemic that has literally stopped our nation, stopped us on all kinds of fronts, that has literally shut stores down, that has literally took our economy to a halt. As we are in the middle of this storm, let's understand this, that Jesus still brings peace in the middle of a pandemic, that Jesus still brings peace when you don't know what to do, where to go, or how to say it, that Jesus still gives peace, that even though we're in the middle of troublesome times, that even though we need peace right now, and people are running haywire, and they're fearful, and everybody's acting squirrely, we can still know that Jesus is our peace today. So here are three different areas 
that I believe were addressed in that moment in March 6th that night. There were three places that Jesus addressed them that I want to address us today. The first thing that Jesus addresses to them is their fear. Jesus addresses their fear. Now, naturally, they were afraid. They were afraid they were going to die. They were afraid that they were going to lose in this situation. They were afraid that the boat might sink. And when the boat sinks, that the white caps would take them under. And when the waves that were white camping would take them under. And the wind as it was blowing violently, that they might would end up drowning in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. That they were sitting here, that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to do it. They just found themselves in a great storm and now Fear was overtaking them as they felt like they were going to die. Many of us today, we get in storms and we feel that we don't know what to do and we begin to fear and we begin not to understand. But just like Jesus told them, we can hear it today and that is this, be of good cheer. It was as if the Lord were speaking to us right now and saying, don't fear. Be of good cheer. Know that it's me. Know that I'm still here. Know that I'm ever present with you, that I've not left you. I'm not going to leave you, but I'm still right here. Be of good cheer. However, that's a lot easier said than it is done. But there are several Good reasons, though, that I feel like today that we don't have to fear the storms of life, that we don't have to fear that we can know that Jesus is our peace. Did you know that storms are under his control? We see the disciples, how that they were told to go to the other side. They were compelled in verse 45. They were pushed by Jesus. That's what, where it says that he made his disciples get into the boat. They were pushed by Jesus to go. They were told by Jesus, we want, you've got to go. Go over to the other side to Bethsaida. He sends the multitudes away. He sends the disciples away because he needed to get alone and pray. You know what that tells me today? That tells me this, that the storms are under his control. It tells me this, that even though the disciples were terrified, even though that they were struggling and they were afraid and they felt like they were going to die, Jesus did something unique that I still feel like that he does for us today. That even though that they were fearful, even though they didn't know what was about to happen to them, he still demonstrated his control over every storm that we would ever face. How did he do that? He showed up walking right on the water when they didn't know what to do or where to go. Jesus shows up walking on the water and then later he calms the storm. Why? Why would he calm the storm? He did that to show us that we don't serve some weak God who is sick and dying somewhere. Hallelujah. But we serve a mighty God today. We serve a God that is great. We serve a God that when life appears to be out of control, that every child of God can know one thing, that our God God is sovereign, that he's still in control, that he's got you right where you are right now to say, I'm holding you, I'm keeping you, and you can rest in me because I am your peace today. Jesus is your peace. 
even though you feel like that life's out of control, he still shows up walking on the stormy waves of life to show that he is absolutely in control, that he's got it all in his care today. He's in control. Not only do we see that storms are under his control, but also that storms are part of the plot. Now, I know we don't like to talk about that, but the disciples were told to get in the boat. The disciples were in the middle of God's will because Jesus told them to go to the other side. And every time that Jesus tells us to do something and we act on what he tells us, then we are in the middle of his will. Storms don't come because you're outside of the will of God. I know that we like to say, well, you're having this issue because you're sinning or you're doing this or, or if you were to do this, then you would be okay. Storms come even when you're in the middle of God's will. Storms come when you're walking in obedience. Storms just happen, but they were in the storm. They were in the storm, but they didn't realize that they were sent for the storm. What do you mean by that? I mean this today, that we think that even though that we're in the storm, that we must not be sent by God. No, 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 no. You were sent for the storm because by you, God's gonna reveal his grace. By you in the middle of the storm and how you react and how you do certain things, God is gonna reveal his glory through you. God's gonna reveal his power to others because they know you're in the middle of the storm but they're watching you react to say that God is in control, that God has this thing, that God's gonna keep me, that God's gonna guide me, that God's gonna help me, and I was sent for the storm for God to reveal his glory. This is exactly what happens with Jesus because the storms are to be expected. They're not to be feared, they're to be expected because they're going to happen. They're going to show up. But storms that show up are really meant to grow me up. They're a part of the plot. They're a part of what God is doing and orchestrating in my life. And so when the storm shows up, I don't have to run in fear, but I can lay down and play in peace and know that Jesus is my peace and because Jesus is my peace that even though the storm rolled up, I can still lay my head down at night and be relaxing knowing that Jesus has it under control. Not only are storms under his control when he addresses their fears and not only are storms a part of the plot, but also we need to understand this, that storms expire. I'm sure that the disciples thought that they were finished. They probably thought that as the storm rolled in that it was not going to end before they had ended. I'm sure that, that they thought themselves that they were gonna perish in the middle of the fury of this storm and yet they still stayed rowing. You know what I have learned in life is that when Jesus rolls up on the scene that he shows us as he showed them that there's always an end to a storm. We forget at the beginning of a storm that eventually a storm blows over. A storm don't lay there and stay there, but a storm moves along. 
It has an expiration date. I don't know what storm that you're in the middle of this morning. And I don't know what storm that you are facing today. And I don't know what storm that you're frustrated in. But this one thing I know is that the very storm that blew up and and is trying to blow you away and kill you in life, it has an expiration date. And even though it has began and it is roaring in your life and you don't know what you're going to do, I declare to you this morning that in the name of Jesus that it will end, that it will pass, that the storm is gonna go away. There's gonna come a moment when Jesus is gonna roll up and and speak peace in the middle of your storm today. You don't have to worry if it will stay, but the storm is gonna pass, it expires. Not only does he end up addressing their fear, but he also addresses their faith. When Jesus came to the disciples walking upon the water, the Bible says that they think he's a ghost and they start crying out in fear. However, when he speaks to them though, he addresses their fears then he gave them ample reason to believe that help had arrived. When Jesus got there, he quickly identified himself to the disciples. That's why he said, be of good cheer. He realizes that they're thinking it's a ghost, and so he has to say, well, the show's over, boys. You know, I was coming to walk with you on the water. I was coming to show you exactly who I am and that I'm in absolute positive control. But yet you would not let me control it. So because you wouldn't let me control it, you're all afraid and you're scared I'm a ghost. Well, the show's over, boys. Be of good cheer. It is I. This it is I is an emphatic personal pronoun in the original language, meaning that he's identifying himself. He's adding great emphasis to it. And it's as if to say that, that Jesus is speaking to them, saying, fellows, don't be afraid of what you're facing. After all, I am is here. You're gonna get that in a minute. What was Jesus simply saying to them? He was reminding those men that the I am, the great I am, is now walking on the water. The creator of the universe is walking on top of his creation. So as the I am, may I remind you that he is all powerful. He has proven his power time and time and time again since the dawn of time. Just remember that his power was revealed in the creation of the world because John tells us that without Jesus that nothing was made that was made in John chapter one. May I also remind you that it was Jesus that was there when God preserved Noah and the ark in Genesis six and seven. May I remind you that even though the rains came and they didn't even know what rain was, even though the water started falling out of the sky and they didn't know what was happening and the flood water started rising, may I remind you that it was God that who had already provided before the storm already showed up. Guess what? God's gonna make provision for you this morning in the middle of your storm before it ever shows up. You're not gonna understand it, but God's gonna do it because he is just that. He is all powerful. He is a preserver. May I remind you of the miracles that surrounded 
the deliverance of Israel when they were brought up out of Egypt. May I remind you how that God split the Red Sea and caused them to walk over even when the Egyptian army was surrounding them and coming up behind them. God split them up. God would not let them touch the Israelites before the Israelites had ever crossed over the Red Sea. May I remind you of, of those great miracles over and over and over and over. God has proven to us that he has the power to exceed our wildest imaginations. He hasn't changed, hallelujah, but he is still God. He is still the Almighty. And if you've got a mountain that needs moving today, he is still capable of moving every mountain. If you've got an obstacle standing in your way that is looming over you, he is able to remove every obstacle. If you've got a storm that says you'll never get from point A to point B, may I remind you today that you can go in Jesus' name because if he has said you're gonna cross over, you're going over to the other side in spite of the storm. He is all powerful. Not only is he the all powerful, but he is the all present. His very name to us as I am declares himself to be the one who is ever present. Being the I am, he is always God. There's never a moment that he's not been God. He's always been God. And he's all the time going to be God. There has never been a time that God did not exist and there will never be a time that he will not exist. Basically, all times that ever were or ever will be are always present to God as he's in your future, he's in your past, and he is right here in your present. I know that it's hard for us to grasp something so profound, but there is a special promise to all of God's children that while God is existent in all times, that he's able to be present with them everywhere. He has promised every child of God that he would be with us in all times, in all places, through the difficulties of every one of our lives. And when the Lord says that he'll not forsake us, he really means it. People may leave you, people may forsake you, people may walk out on you, but one thing we can declare this morning with full faith is that God won't leave you, that God won't forsake you, that God won't walk out on you like maybe your spouse did, or God won't walk out on you maybe like somebody else did, or God won't leave you the way your friend may have left you, but God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Bible declares to us that Jesus thought so much of you, that he was a, so great a friend that he laid down his life for you. God is not a fair weather friend that'll spin you in the orbit and leave you alone, but he will never leave you today. He is that kind of God. He's all present. Not only do we see that he's all powerful and all present, but we also see that he is all perceiving. By virtue of the fact that Jesus is God, he is the one who knows all things. Nothing escapes his gaze as he ponders on the ways of man. Proverbs declares to us in Proverbs 15 and 3 that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. What this means for the child of God is simply this, that God is worthy of our trust today because he knows exactly what we are facing second by second by second. He hasn't missed a thing that has happened to you. He knows, he understands, and he is able to help right in your time of need. You can trust him because he sees your steps. He's the great I am. 
And when we begin to look at the different names that scripture gives him by saying the I am, it gives us that personal touch. It gives us that relational touch from God that we can know that he is our I am. Here's just some of his names today that you can declare in the middle of your storm. And I want to give you these names because I want you to be able to declare them, that you can speak them, whatever you need from the Lord, that you can declare that and speak that and know that is who God is for you. We see God in Scripture as Jehovah Jireh. We learn about this name when Abraham is about to sacrifice Isaac and while he was walking up one side of the mountain, God was sending a ram up the other side. Why? Because he is Jehovah Jireh, which simply means that he is the Lord my provider. It is him that brings provision into my life. It is him that brings great things to me. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, who is my provider. Not only is he Jehovah Jireh, but he is Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord who is my shepherd. David talks about this in Psalm 23, that he is the one that guides me, that he is the one that leads me, that he is the one that cares for me. You may feel like that nobody cares for you, but I can declare to you in full faith this morning that Jesus cares for you because he is your shepherd. He is the one that is watching over you. He is the one that is keeping you and taking care of you. Not only is he Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Ra'ah, but he is Jehovah Shalom who is the Lord who is our peace. I heard a story one time that a man came to a a pastor and said to him, I've been up all night praying and worrying over this thing. He said, why? And the man said, well, I'm just so distraught. I'm so worried over this circumstance in my life. And the pastor looked back at the man and said, why? Would you stay up all night long? He said, because I just couldn't sleep from worry. And he eventually told the man, he said, why? He said, why would you stay up with God all night long? Because the Bible tells you that God, he doesn't slumber. He doesn't lay down and sleep. He doesn't rest like that. But what he does is he carefully watches over the child of God. You know what that tells me? That there's no need of both of us staying up all night. So why don't I just lay down in peace knowing that God is my peace, knowing that God gives me peace because he's watching over me all night long anyway. So what's the point in worrying? What's the point in in fear? Why don't I just pray about it, give it all to God, cast all my cares on him, and then lay down in peace because he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. Not only is he Jehovah Shalom, we learned about this last week, but he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who is my healer, that I can know that he heals all diseases, that I can know that he washes and he cleanses and he takes that which is bitter and turns it over into that which is sweet because he heals all of our diseases. Can we also know that he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who is our righteousness. He is just Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is ever present. You may feel like that God is not with you, but I can declare to you today that he is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. He's always with you. He is Jehovah Nasi, the Lord who is your banner. He is going before you. He is marching ahead of you and he is conquering. When God arises, every enemy is scattered. When God arises, the the battle of depression is won. When God arises, you can sleep in peace because everything that was attacking you has to cease attacking you when God is marching before you. Not only is he Jehovah Nasi, 
the Lord who is your banner, but he is El Elyon, the Lord Most High, because there is nothing beside him. Nothing will ever be equal to him. Not only is he El Elyon, the Lord Most High, but he's El Shaddai. He is the all-sufficient one. You can learn on him that he is more than enough. He's the all-sufficient one. He's everything you need and more today. He is Adonai, he is the Lord, he is the Alpha, the Omega. He is what we need to be at any time you need him to be it. And so you can simply rest in the fact that he is and that not only he is, but he is the I am. He's whatever you need to be and he's more than enough to meet everything going on in your life and whatever you are facing today because he is the I am. How do you know that Jesus is the I am then? Because Jesus identified himself as the I am in John, all throughout John. He tells us this in John 6 and 35, that I am the bread of life. In other words, everything that you need me to be, I am your source. I am the thing that you can't live without. I am the bread of life. He tells us in John 8, 12, that I am the light of the world. I will tell you this, that he'll light your world up if you'll allow him to step into your storm and step into your darkness. He'll expose every work of the enemy because he is the light of the world. He tells us also in John 10 and 9 that he is the door, that nobody gets to the Father except through Jesus Christ. If you feel that you're away from the Father, you can go through Jesus and get to where he is. He tells us in John 10 and 11 that I am the good shepherd and he is the one who watches and cares over his flock. He tells us in John 11 and 25 that he is the resurrection and the life. It was in this moment that he let us in on a secret that he is here to resurrect every dead place in your life and to bring life back to that which you've done gave up hope on. John 14 and six, he tells us he is the way the truth and the life. John 15 and one, he says, I am the true vine because when you are disconnected from him, you have no inflow to produce and to grow and to become fruitful and to multiply because you have no inflow from him. He is the true vine. He is what gives you sustenance. Not only does Jesus address their fear, not only does he address their faith, But last, but certainly not least, he addressed their future. When Jesus came to the disciples that night, they were certain that their lives were over. They were preparing to die. But yet when Jesus came, he let them in on a huge thing for them that he had a plan for their future. You see, in verse 45, he had already told them to get into the ship and to go over to Bethsaida. He knew where they were going. But you see, not only did he know where they were going, but he was also the one responsible for getting them there. And he had a plan for them when they got there. The Bible says that he made them or compelled them. In other words, the original language is telling us that he forced them to go. And when he spoke to them, his words were not only just get in the boat and go, but they were also words of comfort and peace because he spoke peace to their present and in doing so, he let them know that they had a future ahead of them. 
And whenever Jesus spoke to them and sent them over to the other side, did you under, do you understand something? That the squall that blowed in did not catch him by surprise. He knew it was coming. But his word was, get in the boat, go over to the other side. When he said that you're going to do something, it'll happen in spite of what storm shows up and stands before you and in spite of the winds that howl around you. You can have peace in the fact that he said to go over to the other side. And this is where this fourth watch of the night comes in. That Jesus shows up walking on the water and he simply tells him, do not be afraid. In the original language, this is what is called a present active imperative. And it gives the literal saying this, stop fearing now. And never fear anything else ever again. So when he told them, do not be afraid, he is literally saying in the original language, never fear again. Know who I am and never fear again. Oh, what a word for us today. That from this human perspective that that we can see that not only is he talking to the disciples, but he's also talking to us. Because in scripture, it is said that at near 365 times that God all throughout scripture tells us not to be afraid. So why is he telling us not to be afraid? Because he wants you to understand who you serve this morning. He wants you to know who you serve and that you serve the great I am. And because he's the great I am, then you can know who you are. When you know who he is, it translates to who I am. And I am a child of God. And because as we sang earlier, that we are a child of God, that we don't have to be afraid and we don't ever have to fear anything else again. Just like he told the disciples. So as we face our futures today, there are three great truths that give us hope about our future. The first is that he is ever trustworthy. Regardless of where the road of life leads you, you can know that you can absolutely trust God. And he will never cause us to face anything that's not going to be flipped around for our good. Romans 8 and 28 declares to us that he works all things together for them that love him. Nothing you are facing right now is for your bad. Everything is for your good, and you're going to receive a victory today. Not only are we going to receive victory and know that he is trustworthy, but you can also know that he is ever available. The disciples learned a valuable lesson that night in the Sea of Galilee, and that lesson was this. You can never count God out. Let me repeat that to you. You can never count God out. You may think he isn't around. You may think he doesn't care. You may think that he is not watching over you and keeping you and making sure that you're okay. But let me tell you this. God will never leave you. He will watch you. What what John records in another place, what is recorded in scripture, is that he saw them in their rowing and he was praying for them, that he was watching them. He knew what was going on, but what Jesus was doing was up in the 
mountain praying. I do believe that that's what he's doing for us today. That even in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a storm, that he has caused us to push the reset button so that we can see what is really valuable and important to us. And that is our relationship with him and that translates into our relationship with our family and our neighbors so that we can say that God is still available in the middle of the storm. You can have peace because Jesus is your peace. He's never left you. You felt like he did because you got complacent and you got comfortable and you thought God was not around, but he's never left you. He's always been available to you. Not only is he ever available, but he shows us about our future that he is ever enough. As has already been said, there may be situations that arise in your life that you have no control over. There may be rough times ahead. In this pandemic, there may be rough times ahead for you on your job or rough times ahead of us as a church. There may be rough times ahead, but through it all, we can still know that God is enough. That if you've got the Lord on your side and the Lord in your life, he is more than what you need. Isaiah 45 and verse 22 tells us, God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah and he says, look to me and be saved. All you ends of the earth, and then he ends it this way, for I am God and there is no other. God and God alone is our hope. God and God alone is our peace. God and God alone is the one that we are looking forth to receive help in the middle of a pandemic that is driving us nuts. It is God and God alone. He is all powerful. He is all present and he is all perceiving. And if he isn't enough for us today, then we have absolutely no hope at all. But he is enough. He is all you need and more. He is more than enough for you. He is more than enough because Jesus is our peace. We're going to do something a little different today. I know that we're not in this church building and it feels rather awkward for the last two weeks to preach to an empty room. But however, you've got your family around you. You've got folks around you that all of you may be facing the storms in this pandemic. You may be facing the loss of your job. You may be facing, you know, your family is struggling. Your family is fighting together. You don't know what to do, where to go, how to do it. All you know is, is that you're trying your best to depend on God and trust him. I want you to do something today. This is going to be a little different altar call, but this is what I would like for us to do. Gather your family around. Hold hands with them. Remind them that you still love them. Remind them that y'all about killed each other this week, everybody being quarantined. Remind them that Jesus is still their peace and he's your peace too when you've about beat the backside off all week long because y'all ain't around each other that long. Let your husband in too. Let them come on in too. I know y'all been quarantined together and 
Y'all getting on each other's nerves too, but everybody come together. Everybody kneel down together. Let's all pray. Let's all talk to the Lord together. And let's ask him for peace in the middle of the storm that you're facing. Depend on him. You may be losing your job and you may be in a temporary layoff where you don't know if the government's gonna supplement that income or, or if you're gonna be able to draw unemployment. You may not know, you don't know what's gonna happen, but I simply want you to gather together and as a family say that we are trusting in the Lord and we're gonna believe on him and we're gonna trust him. You may feel like that God doesn't love you right now and you may feel like that, that you may be alone in your house and you feel like that God is nowhere near you. Your sin may feel like that it's insurmountable and you'll never get over it and you'll never move past it. I declare to you that you can trust the Lord this morning. I declare to you that you can ask Jesus into your heart and ask him to save you and to cleanse you and God will take that storm of sin away from you and God will help you and God will cleanse you today. We're all going to have prayer together and then we're going to shut this thing down. Father, we love you today. Thank you God for everyone that has took the time to listen to this message this morning. God, thank you today for what you have done in them. Thank you for how that you are touching them and how that you've reminded them that you are our peace. And Lord, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus that you would minister, that you would help them, that you would strengthen them, that God, that you would encourage them, that they would know that you are their peace. God, I pray for those that are facing job loss. I pray for those, God, that Lord, that they would understand that you are their provision that you are the one that's gonna walk with them through this storm. Lord, you are the one that's gonna keep them and guide them. Lord, as your word has declared to us, that Father, that you'll meet their needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, if there is anyone today that has listened to the duration of this message and they don't know you, God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that they would accept you, that they would declare you as Lord over their life. And they would receive from you today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Father, for everything that you are doing. And we bless your name today. In Jesus' name. Be blessed. We love you. Thank you for tuning in today to North Wahala Church. Go ahead and tune in with us on Wednesday on Facebook. We do a thing called Winning Wednesdays while we're in the middle of not being able to gather together. We would love for you to join us this Wednesday. Tune in, share it, share today's message as much as you can and to as many people as you can. Who knows who you might introduce to Jesus just by sharing what God has spoken to you today on social media. Be blessed. Be blessed.